Good morning, church. Welcome to worship. If you're here in person, and welcome to those who are joining us online to worship the Lord together. My name is Jonathan Harris. I'm the worship pastor here at Wheaton Bible. And here in the room, I'm going to ask you to stand. And let's sing to God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who made us and saved us to the praise of his glorious grace. Let's sing together. Psalm 57, verses 9 to 11, say, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let's sing. My great Redeemer's praise, the glory. 
triumphs of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. This music in the sinner's ears, this life in health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin, He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean, His blood availed for me. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors of Thy name. Holy, holy. 
you bow your head and pray with me. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, says the Westminster Catechism. Jesus said in John 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Our Father in heaven, we confess that many times our love for self and other things has been greater than our love for you. We have not loved you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We have sought the glory and praise of men rather than your approval and glory. We pursue happiness and fullness in broken cisterns that can hold no water. We distort your good gifts. We turn them into idols and use them for selfish purposes. We seek security and comfort in our possessions rather than taking refuge in you and depending on you. We have not devoted ourselves to our highest purpose, to know and to enjoy you more than anything else in this world. We have sinned against you. Yes, we have sinned against you many times and in many ways. Forgive us, Lord. Your word also says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Jesus, we have not walked in your word. We have not loved one another as you have loved us. You prayed that we would be one and be known for our love for one another, but we have dishonored you by allowing divisions among us for all kinds of matters. Please make us one. Bring us together. Help us walk in the love and unity that comes from your spirit so that the world may know that we are your disciples and so that people around us may come to know you through your church. Dear Father, may all things in our lives and in our church be about Jesus. All for him, through him, and for him, so that in all things he should have the first place. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand? Let's respond and sing. And we Steve. 
desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. No first and foremost principle in whether we're a school district or a church or a community-based organization is it's always about the relationships first. I think that is a huge highlight of Puente. Traditionally, it's an after-school program, right? Monday through Friday for a couple of hours, they do academic enhancement, they provide extended learning opportunities, some nutrition and physical wellness opportunities. I believe they do some faith lessons too that students can opt in or out of. Uh, currently, because of COVID, that's been expanded and they've actually been offering that same model in person all day long during the school day for students who aren't physically in the school. Here at Puente, we hope to instill as much stability as possible in the children's lives. They're supervising, ensuring students are engaged, checking in, support with homework, having breakfast and lunch, and getting safely to and from Puente, making sure that students have a consistency in their, in their school day. My goal is that they feel stable, that they feel loved, that they know that they are a child of God, that there is purpose in their life, and that together we can get through this. 
A school district isn't meant to provide meals all the time. A school district isn't meant to provide services outside of a traditional school day, you know, after 3.30. They aren't necessarily meant to provide education for parents. Because we work with our community partners who have an expertise in those areas, it allows us to holistically support families. And because they have these great relationships, it's, it's widely successful. Puente has, well, their vision aligns with the school district. They're thinking about the whole child, not just the child academically, socially, but their whole family. And they, and they take them from cradle to, to career. We want children to have those opportunities once they leave us to thrive and grow and be independent, successful citizens. And having another partner to, to help us when we don't have those particular resources, particularly in a year like this, is key. With the children having to do school in this different way, anxiety has been up, but we've seen great victories in their spirits, and their excitement to come to school. We can tell that the Lord is at work here with them. Even with COVID and the, and the fears of how do we stay safe in this kind of setting, we know Puente is gonna keep us safe. We know Puente is gonna do what they need to do to make sure everyone is safe, and there's no hesitation there. People are ready to just come to the table and participate and engage. It's, it's incredible. Our part-time teachers here, they understand the risks that are involved of coming into an environment with children in this time of COVID, and they take it very seriously. They feel that this is a calling for them, that God has brought them here for this purpose. This is not just work for me. This is my mission field. This is my calling. And when I come to Wheaton Bible Church to receive these children, I think to myself, these are children that many times have not walked through our doors before. And now they're coming every day into the house of the Lord. And what a blessing that is to be receiving them and representing Jesus in this moment, being his hands and feet. It's just a, a fulfilling blessing to be able to be a part of this and to be able to witness what God is doing in the lives of these children through Wheaton Bible Church in Puente del Pueblo. Isn't that great? Yeah, let's give him glory. That's exactly what it means for us as a church to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment at the same time. These are not things that go separate, they always go together. First of all, we want to say thank you to all of those that uh, pray for Puente, that volunteer at Puente, and that give generously to the church so we get to do what we do in our community. And for that, we want to give glory to God one more time. <laughs> See, this is what happens when people worship God with their finances. See, our mission as a church is not just for us to get bigger. It's for us to extend the kingdom as much as we can by word and deed. So please continue to support the church financially. Please continue to pray for our ministries like Puente. Please uh, continue to pray for the church. Let's pray together now. Lord, we are so thankful that you have made uh, of us uh, generous people. Not just because we have to be generous, but because we belong to a God that is generous. Actually, the argument we have, Lord, is that the only reason why we want to give is because you gave us first. The reason why we want to love others is because you loved us first. The reason, Lord, why we want to be committed to our communities and love our communities in ministries like Puente is because you gave yourself first in Jesus Christ. 
I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that as we open up a scripture tonight uh, or today, this morning, I, we, uh, we continue to grow in the understanding of what it means to be Christians in this broken world. I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, by the person of the Spirit, by the ministry of the Spirit, you open up our eyes so we can see and understand even more what it means to be Christian, Christians in this world. Please speak to us this morning. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus, and we all say, good morning, familia. For those of you that are here or, or those of you that are worshiping with us online, I want to welcome you to Wheaton Bible Church, just in case you are visiting for the first time and you are not familiar with the church, whether you're here or online. Uh, I want allow me to describe to you how I describe Wheaton Bible Church, all right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not the only one that thinks this way, okay? Um, we are, as Wheaton Bible Church, a multi-location church, meaning that we, have, we are one church in two locations, West Chicago and Streamwood, for those of you that are familiar with uh, Tri-Village. We are also a multi-generational church, meaning that we have in this building and in our services as part of our congregation up to five generations, uh, which is an amazing thing. That in itself is a miracle of the Lord, five generations worshiping together in one place. We are also a multi-worship experience church, meaning that that's the reason why we have a traditional service, that's the reason why we have a contemporary service, that's the reason why we have an English uh, and Spanish-speaking service, um, because we believe in the multi-worship experience of the kingdom of God. And lastly, we are being intentional about becoming more and more a multi-ethnic church. That's why you guys have a Latino in front of you right now. Now, yeah, just give him glory. And because of that, we want to take this week and the following week to talk about the concept of multi-ethnicity. I know that we have talked about this before, that this is one of those things that uh, we just got to teach over and over again until we all believe it. Actually, if you saw the images of Puente, you can see that we already started to believe that. That's why we have all kinds of people serving in Puente. I believe that the Lord has been moving in amazing ways in our church for the last 30 years since we opened the doors to the point to Iglesia del Pueblo. Since we became 90 years ago a missional church that sends missionaries to all parts of the world. What is different now, though, is that the Lord is not only sending us into the mission world to different parts of the world, but God is bringing the world to us, whether we like it or not. Therefore, this concept of multi-ethnicity is extremely important so what we're going to do for the next two weeks, if God allows it, uh, we're going to be looking into this concept, first through the lenses of the Old Testament, and then through the lenses of the New Testament. Today we're going to talk about uh, multi-ethnicity through the lenses of a section in, um, in, the, in the book of Genesis um, that talks about this, and it's actually the foundation for our beliefs as a multi-ethnic church. So let me explain to you what is it, the reasons why we're not actually talking about this. We are not talking about this because it's cool now to talk about multi-ethnicity. We are not talking about this because we're trying to be irrelevant. Because I believe that every time we open the Bible, we are relevant. Because the Bible is always relevant. We are not talking about this because we're simply reacting to what's happening in our culture or in our context. If that would be a motive, then the moment multi-ethnicity stops being cool or it stops being relevant, or it stops being what an issue in our cultures, then as a church we will have to stop 
talking about this. So that's not the reason why we need to talk about this. The reason why we need to talk about this is because it's a biblical conviction. I think that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that the kingdom of God is a multi-ethnic kingdom. The reason why we got to talk about this is because the, this is who the Lord made us to be. This is where the Lord placed us in his sovereignty. All you have to do is look at our context. And number three, the reason why we got to talk about this is because we just celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection is the reconciliation of all relationships, a reconciliation with God. And now he turns us into agents of reconciliation, including multi-ethnic reconciliation. So for that, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 25 to 27. If you have your Bible, please go there. Uh, we're also going to read verses 31. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We're still going to put this, the verses on the screen. Could you, could you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 25 to 27, and then verse 31. If you're still here, could you please say, I'm here. This is the word of the Lord. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that he was good. Can you say good? good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and he was very good. Can you say very good? Very. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Lord, I pray that you speak to us once again. Please visit us so we understand, believe, repent, and move on. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say, Amen. you may take a seat. All right, so today we're going to talk about three things. I want to argue that the concept of multi-ethnicity is part of God's design. I would like to argue that the reason why multi-ethnicity is part of God's design is because we were created in the image of God. And number three, I want to show you that even though the fall came in and messed things up, God had a plan to restore all things to the original plan. God's design, God's image, and God's plan. Let's go with the first point, God's Design. So I want to start by making a disclaimer. And every time I talk about this with different people, um, and I believe this by personal experience, I believe that one of the most beautiful concepts in the Bible when it comes to people is actually this concept of multi-ethnicity. And I, I want to make that argument today. But at the same time, I do believe that multi-ethnicity might be one of the hardest things to accomplish in the church. The question is why? Well, my reasoning is because we all have inclinations, whether we like it or not. We all have inclinations. We all have preferences because of our sinful nature. 
We all have been, whether we like it or not, shaped by our history. We have all been affected somehow by somebody from a different ethnic group, and we live in the midst of a hostile world. That's why multi-ethnicity is sometimes um, so hard. But at the same time, I have this conviction that the group that can actually accomplish this is the church. But it requires that the church learn how to die to ourselves, that we're not so quick to defend or attack. It requires that we learn how to truly, truly love one another. It requires that we truly learn how to listen to one another. It requires that we learn how to forgive one another. It requires that we learn how to extend grace toward one another. It, it requires that we learn how to care for one another, even when it feels awkward, time and time again. I actually believe that we have what is required for us to accomplish this. See, multi-ethnicity is not about us learning how to tolerate one another or put up with one another. This is the reason why this must be a conviction for Christians, in my opinion, because this is part of God's design. This is the reason why we got to start with Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we see how everything is started. It is in Genesis chapter 1 when we see the perfection of God's creation. It is in Genesis chapter 1 when we see how the world was supposed to be prior to the fall. I want to argue today, and I hope I don't offend anyone, that multi-ethnicity is rooted in who God is and how we were created to be. Let me say that again. I want to argue that the concept of multi-ethnicity is rooted in who God is, and how we were created to be. This is the reason why in verse 26, God says, let us, plural, make mankind in our image, in our likeness. See, most theologians would agree that God uses the plural here, because in light of the rest of the Bible, in light of the rest of the New Testament, God is always presented as one God in three persons. God Father, God Son, and God Holy Spirit. What is important here, though, is that the Bible tells us that from eternity to eternity, God always existed and would always exist as unity in diversity. Can you say unity in diversity? One God, three persons. The Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father and is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, is not the Son. And yet, they're one God in three persons. And the text tells us that God made us in his image by design. We are supposed to live as diverse people and yet as one. Let me say that again. If God is diversity in unity, and we are created in his image, then by nature, by design, we are supposed to be able to live in diversity and in unity. Not unity in uniformity, but diversity in unity. So listen to what this scholar said, which I found is super interesting. He says, 
far from a dry, secondary, and important technical doctrine, God as Trinity, unity in diversity, and diversity in unity is the heartbeat of the Christian faith. Did you ever think of the Trinity in those terms? And did you ever think of humanity in those terms? See, as Christians, we cannot say that it is normal by design for ethnicities to be separated and segregated. We cannot say that based on Genesis chapter 1. We cannot say that it is normal that we live in this such a fragmented, disunifying, divided, disharmonized, and practicing polarization community. We cannot say that that is normal. Actually, the Bible tells us the opposite. See, the problem with our divisions, that's not God's story. That's our story. The Bible tells us something completely different. Actually, let me push a little bit more the concept of uh, the unity of God. One of the things that we know about God, one of his attributes is that he's beautiful. Did you know that what theologians say when they talked about God being beautiful is because everything that he is and everything that he does functions in perfect harmony. If that is true, and I believe it is, then I think that the best way we honor our designer and the best way we honor our design is when we live accordingly to what God intended. Is when we live out the beauty of unity in diversity. There is beauty in unity in diversity. Listen to what, if you want, if you want to know what that looks like, Let's go back to the Trinity again and look at, listen to what John Frame says, another theologian. The concurrence of, this, of, of the three persons in the Trinity in all that they do is a profound indication of their unity. Now, I want you to see how the Trinity functions because this, this shows you how the church ought to function. They support one another, assist one another, and promote one another's purposes. This may be called mutual glorification. If you want to know how the church ought to function, you have to see the original design because our original design reflects our Trinitarian God. So as a church, as believers, we are not to separate or segregate from one another. We all support one another. See, as Christians, we're not to allow fragmentation or disunity or disharmony. We are supposed to assist one another. See, as Christians, we're not supposed to contribute to the, to the uh, polarization, but we're supposed to promote one another. See, we're not supposed to destroy one another, either by actions or by words or by being indifferent. We're supposed to give glory to one another. This is what that means. That whatever color you are, number one, it's a beautiful color. And we ought to elevate, elevate, celebrate, and magnify that color because that's the way the Lord made you to be. Every human being, every ethnic group carries within themselves the beauty of the image of God. Actually, I want to push the concept even more. Not only we dishonor our designer and we don't honor our design, 
when we don't live out the beauty of unity in diversity, but this is something that I have repeated to myself time and time again. But we best display the beauty of God and the image of God as a church when we as people of diverse ethnicities worship together and do life together. We best display the beauty magnitude of the image of God when we worship together and do life together. Am I the only one that thinks that? Don't think so. If not, I wouldn't be saying it. The image of God is much too rich uh, for it to be fully realized in a single human being. Stop there for a second. The image of God is way too big, way too beautiful, way too amazing to be reflected in just a certain kind of human being. However richly gifted that human being may be, it can only be someone unfolded in a depth and riches in a humanity counting billions of members. And we have to apply that to the different ethnic groups. Listen up, church. Our differences in ethnicity magnify the beauty of God. You know, during the worship time, I don't know which songs we were singing, but I... I um, Three weeks ago, I, had, I was already thinking about this sermon, and, and I had this image of, what the, of the beauty of the image of God displayed in multi-ethnicity. You know, this, this is stuff that I've been thinking for 13 years. You know that, right? Part of the reason why I started thinking about that is because as a youth pastor, I saw how divided we were. Right? And then I have a couple of girls that were born in this country. And I came to this country almost 30 years ago. And there's things about the church that just don't make any sense to me when we are so segregated. But three weeks ago, I'm in my couch. And I'm actually working and thinking about some of the stuff that, that we could bring today. And I realized that both of my daughters belong to uh, two small groups that are multi-ethnic already. So my little one belongs to a group that has three different ethnicities. And my oldest one belongs to a group that has four different ethnicities. It happened to be, in God's providence, I believe, that I'm working and thinking about this. And my daughter was holding the Bible study in my home. And as I'm thinking about this, this is, this is the providence of God, in my opinion. As I'm thinking of this, and I'm writing things about this, all these six kids come up. Teenagers, so you know that was a crazy day. And I see an Asian coming in, and an African coming in, and a Latina coming in, and a couple of Anglo girls coming in. And this is the thing. They were united by one thing. Faith in Jesus Christ. They did not stop being who they were. They were united by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is started in the book of Genesis. Our ethnic differences magnify the beauty of God. We do need one another. The beautiful thing of a multi-ethnic church is we do not believe in colorblind theology. You know what that means? Is when we say, I don't see color. That's not true. We all see color. And that color is beautiful. See, as a church, we don't believe that even though we are different ethnicities, 
we should act the same. That's not the Bible. We actually act differently because of the way the Lord made us to be. We don't apologize because of the way the Lord made us to be. We don't believe that. What we do believe is that we're better together than separate. That ethnically speaking, we all need one another. All right, I'm going to make a comment. Please don't get offended. Please? Sometimes, sometimes in worship, I wish we would be a little bit more like other ethnicities. That's all I'm saying. Because there is something about certain ethnicities that uh, express worship in a different way. Maybe, 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 just maybe. There are some ethnicities that are so crazy that need to be balanced by other brothers and sisters. And there's other ethnicities that are not as animated that need to be balanced by other brothers and sisters. See, at the end of the day, I say that because we really need one another. I don't know if you guys are familiar with John Lennon's song, in which he's imagining a day when all the people's uh, all the people will share all the world, and the world will live as one. That was his dream. A world without uh, greed and hunger and murder. And then he says, a world without concern for heaven, hell, or religion. A world without God. As a Christian, I cannot agree with him. Because I don't know how to embrace the beauty of diversity without first looking and having this vision of the beauty of our God in diversity, in unity. As Christians, we do have what is required and what is needed for us to accomplish this. Amen? That's God's design. Now let's talk about God's image. Now, if we truly believe that we have been all created in the image of God, then that means something. So let's read verse 27 again. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, theologians, when, uh, when they talk about what that means, the image of God means, they usually translate the image of God in these terms. It means that all human beings uh, intrinsically possess beauty, value, dignity, and purpose. All human beings, regardless of who they are, possess beauty, value, dignity, and purpose. Regardless of age, regardless of gender, either male or female, regardless of social class, regardless of ethnicity, all human beings intrinsically possess beauty, value, dignity, and purpose. This is part of the reason why we read in verse 31 that when God saw humanity at the end of everything, he saw that it was very good. Not just good, but very good. The theologian Richard Pratt says that if Christians were to truly understand and truly believe that we have all been created in the image of God with beauty, value, dignity, and purpose, we would look at another human being and be tempted to say, hello, your majesty. 
because we can see God in them. See, the sinful tendency is to make distinctions. See, the sinful tendency is to elevate some people above others. See, the sinful tendency is to assign value to some people more than others. And I hope you can see that that's a distortion of the image of God. And I hope you can see that that is the product of the fall that was not part of God's design. I would like to argue that this is the reason why Adam threw Eve under the bus. You guys remember? They both committed sin, you know? They both ate the fruit. They all failed. God confronts them, and Adam, that tends to see one person above the other, says, well, the woman you put here with me, that's her fault. Did you know that in order for him to get there, he had to do some sort of calculation in his head to say, wait, at this moment, who's more important? Her or me? That's assigning value to a person, to one person more than the other. Did you know that that was the case between Cain and Abel? They're, they're kids. If you know the story, one of the brothers gets super jealous and he kills the other. This is why in Genesis chapter 4 says that he killed his brother. Did you know that in order for Cain to do that, in his head, he has to value himself more than what he valued his brother? Did you know that this man had to dehumanize his brother in his head in order for him to kill him? This is the reason why prejudice is so wrong, racism is so wrong, classism is so wrong, because there's this tendency to elevate one group above others. See, in modern philosophy and anthropology, this is called othering. Is when we intentionally hyper-focus on the things that we don't like about another person in order for us to feel good about ourselves. I don't know if you guys ever got in one of those sketches that they do, like in parks and stuff, like, like a cartoon, that they paint your face. You guys uh, ever realize what they do? They pay attention to your worst feature. And they magnify it. So if you have big ears, which the Lord gave you big ears, they magnify it to make fun of you. Transfer that to any relationship. And it's when we pick the worst feature, according to us, to make fun of that person, to humiliate that person, or to not embrace that person. That's what, that's what the culture do, does. And that's what Christianity ought to be so different. 
Because as Christians, we first see the image of God. We first see the image of God in another person, regardless of age and gender and social class and ethnicity. We first see the image of God. Even if the person is crazy sinful, we first see the image of God. And then we see in the midst of all that messiness, beauty and value and dignity and purpose. What do you see first when you see someone that is not like you? What do I see first in people that is not like me? See, at the fall, our image was distorted, but it was not destroyed. This is the reason why in Genesis chapter 9, in, in the story of the flood, God says, if you kill somebody, you will have the same punishment because that person has been created in the image of God. To not care, to not honor, to not respect, to not protect Someone that is not like you, not only is an offense against another human being, but it's an offense against God because all human beings are created in his image. We don't get to embrace a person that is different to us just because of their color if we don't pay attention to the things that, that hurts them. That's why Christianity is so different. See, these are the questions that I got to ask myself all the time. What do I see when I see people that is not like me? What do I see their intrinsic beauty and value and dignity and purpose? Do I see the beauty of God in their faces, their colors, their customs, their traditions? Do I let my personal bias, my own ethnicity, and my history define my view of other people? Do I let the Bible define how I view others. God's idea, God's design, God's image, and the last point is God's plan. So if this was God's idea, if the concept of diversity in unity and unity in diversity was God's idea, and he created us in his image, and the fall came in, and everything went south, was God supposed to sit back and do nothing? Let it be. I messed up. Or, because he's a sovereign God, he will find a way to redeem what was broken. And I want to argue to you today that this is part of the reason why the church exists. God first reconciled us to himself so we become agents of reconciliation. That's why in Genesis chapter 12, the church starts. The church didn't start in the, in the New Testament in the book of Acts. The church starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 when God calls Abraham. And this is what he says. I will make, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Notice that in God's redemptive plan, it wasn't an one ethnic group, but all peoples will be blessed through his church. The kingdom of God is a multi-gender, multi-age, multi-culture, and multi-ethnic kingdom. 
This is the reason why Jesus came. To finish and complete what Abraham was started. Did you know that? This is the reason why in Galatians chapter 3, has that Jesus redeemed us in order that the blessing, or God redeemed us, in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, all of us, through Christ Jesus. So by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Redeemed, reconciled, so we become people of reconciliation. Listen to what this author says. The church's most powerful witness to the world that Jesus is real, is in signs and wonders like miraculous healings. That's not what the world needs. No, it's the supernatural life of God's people united in a beautiful, diverse community. Our theology of reconciliation is Trinitarian. To refuse to pursue unity in diversity as redeemed people is to fundamentally neglect what it means for us to be the image of God. The world should look at the church in amazement and wonder, how did that happen? How did people with such differences come together and commit to staying together in spite of the difficulty? See, three weeks ago, I saw my daughter's small group Bible study. And I asked the question, how did that happen? How did people with such differences come together and commit to staying together in spite of difficulty? And the answer is, Jesus Christ, him crucified, and him resurrected. Because this is so important to us as a church. I want to invite you to participate. We cannot force anybody, but we want to invite you to embrace it. How do we do that? Well, I want to give you four principles today, and next week I'll give you another 20. Here. <laughs> Principle number one. Because we believe in a unity and diversity and diversity and unity, therefore we celebrate and embrace our differences. We're not separated by differences. We are united by differences. We got to keep in mind that we're better together than separate. We are better together than separate. Principle number two. Because we believe in unity and diversity and diversity in unity. Therefore, we know that we need one another. We need one another. God in his goodness, God in his sovereignty brought us together and are calling us to welcome other people to be part of a family. If you want to take an action on that one, make part of your life someone that is not like you. Is it not, church? Even if it's awkward. I call that holy awkwardness. That's better than staying separate. Principle number three. Because we believe that we are all created in the image of God, therefore we honor, we care, and we exercise empathy toward one another. This is the part of talking and listening that is so important. Listen, this church is so big that we have so many differences about everything. But what we can do is actually sit down and talk and listen. So even if we don't agree on something, at least we give the honor to have a conversation. 
And number four, principle number four. Because we believe that we have been reconciled in Jesus, therefore we seek to be instruments of reconciliation. See, we can only give to others what we have already received. See, in Jesus, we were separated. Before Jesus, we were separated. But because we have been redeemed and reconciled, we know what it means to be valued. We know what it means to be loved. We know what it means to be included. We know what it means to be accepted. We know what it means to be received. Now go and do likewise. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, what a beautiful blessing it is to know that the power of the gospel is not just for our salvation and not just for the reconciliation between humanity and God. We thank you, Lord, because we know that the power of the gospel sends us out to be reconciliation people. That we love one another, serve one another, take care of one another, honor one another, and also embrace people that is not like us. Lord, I pray that Wheaton Bible Church, Tri-Village, and IDP, we become that more and more. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And we all say? Amen, church. I will ask you to remain seated. We're going to sing a song, a new song we're going to learn called Let Nations Be Glad to remember that we are a people that are called, sent out to the world. Let the nations be glad. the glory of the Lord forever be our joy may redemption be the theme of our song for by grace we have been saved and by grace we shall proclaim to the corners of the earth that Christ is come suffering loss 
shall endure all things to win the crown of life. Let the nations be glad, let the people rejoice, for salvation belongs to our God. Let the whole earth be filled with the praises of the Lord, for salvation belongs to our be glad. Now let's stand together and remember that we are called to the nations, to the world, but we are also called to one another. So let's sing this together. We're together on this. 
song hymn, we, I want to remind you of uh, something that we studied that we mentioned last week. As you know, during this pandemic, we have been trying to navigate how much we open, when do we open, how many people come in, who doesn't come in. Um, and I want to remind you of, 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 about a few things. Number one, uh, I want to remind you that every decision we have made as a church, we have made it thinking, meditating, talking, and praying about what the best thing is for the church. So keep that in mind. Number two, I want to remind you that now we're going to have sections that are uh, mask optional, meaning that you, could, you have to wear your mask when you come in and you have to wear your mask when you live in. But there are sections in which you're going to have the freedom to remove your mask if that's what you want. Now, there's other sections where you can keep your mask and you're going to have to keep your mask all the time. But the third thing I wanted to say in regards to that is that because we are such a large church, and we just talked about different opinions and things like that. I want to invite you to extend grace to one another, all right? Because we're all going to be in a different page somehow. Just remember this. We have been united by Jesus Christ to give him glory and to be witnesses of his power, mercy, and grace. We are not going to fight over things like that in the church. Amen? Amen. We are so thankful for everything that you do for being part of this church. Let's receive that blessing uh, that Jesus Christ guarantees for us at the cross. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. And the church says, Amen. we love you. Thanks for coming. Church, you are sent. <laughs>